know, we've talked a lot about this in between media this season. There's going to be curveballs coming your way. Hate's a strong word. I dislike Kirk Cousins more than probably any other quarterback. And I get a little bit of that rookie-itis, you know? I would have said, I would love some of what you're Even smoking. though I straight, I'm still stuck between an interpretation, what it all means. Can I make a difference or something different? My mind in prison, then I saw the vision. Played the field, it's no competition. Found success through the repetition. If it's impossible, stick to the mission. I'm just cruising through on my way to get it. I found myself somewhere in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. Greetings, everyone. It's Wednesday, April 7th, 2021. Both the spring and the NFL offseason are in full bloom today. This is the In Between Fantasy Football podcast, your destination for both some feel-good life and some mediocre fantasy football advice. I'm Seth Wolcock. You can find me on the Twitter bird at between underscore Seth FF. Today on the show, I'm joined only by my two co-hosts, two of my best friends, Nate Polvo and Scott Rainier. Gentlemen, it's been a minute since the last time we've all been on, just the three of us. Uh, so why don't you introduce yourself to our audience once again, tell them where they can find you. So hey, I'm Nate. Uh, you all know me as Janate Jack FF, which is a play on my name, my wife's name, and my son's name. I didn't eat anybody. I promise. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Janate Jack FF. Um, the content, obviously, here, the in between media. It's the only place I'm doing anything, um, gladfully and willfully. And Facebook, Instagram. Um, I'm not brave enough to actually do any TikToking because that would involve skill and humor and being able to <laughs> dance. So yeah, I mean that's that's me, Scott. Yeah, thanks, Nate. Uh, Scott Rainier. You can find me primarily on Twitter at Munder Difflin FF, which is a play on Dunder Mifflin swapped. Um, I write a column called The Mondays, also swap of the Dundies from the show The Office uh, for In Between Media. It's about a tri-weekly thing now. We'll see when the regular season rolls around. I'm doing this really fun YouTube series called Pulp Fantasy. Um, this podcast, and I am dabbling a little bit with TikTok. I'm not dancing though, Nate. It's, well, dancing is not a requirement. Like I'm just doing kind of silly things. I know. I'm just. So, I'm nervous. TikTok is one of those mediums. It's like it's funny, and I love to watch it, but I don't. I don't know, man. It scares me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure streaming scared you about uh, 12 months ago too, Nate. So. Oh. If you would have told me even nine months ago that I'd be doing this and not be peeing my pants while doing it, I would have told you you are crazy. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys being back on with me today. Um, it really has been a full off season so far, and it's really only the beginning of April. Um, a reminder that during the off season, we are a biweekly show. You can find us live right here, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Audio version always drops on Friday evening, so you can check that out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart, Deezer, wherever you're listening to your pods, we're there. So check us out. Today's episode, we're not going to be continuing our normal off-season session, so you're not going to hear any inspiring tales and any triumphant uh, notes from us today. Just really wanted to break down this fantasy football news that's you know been really pouring in the last couple weeks. And... Guys, I think there's nowhere better to start than one of my favorite sections here on the show, Headline Hijinks. <laughs> and Scott, you wrote about a little bit about this in your last column, uh, The Mondays. So since the last time we've talked here on the pod, there was a huge NFL trade. Uh, obviously, the Dolphins given up the rights to the 103 pick in the upcoming NFL draft to the San Francisco 49ers. Then the Dolphins ended up trading back up. Uh, it was kind of like a draft day trade. If you guys have seen that movie with Kevin Costner, one of my favorites, uh, 
took three picks, basically three number ones to get up to that 103 spot. San Francisco obviously has some plans. They're about to unroll here in a couple weeks. So uh, excited to see what that brings. But Scott, can you help us break down this trade a little bit? Uh, you know, Dol- Dolphins obviously moved back to 12 and then they moved back up. Uh, Eagles get involved. They go from the six back to the 12. A lot of fantasy implications here underlying, I feel like. Yeah, so my the, the title of my headline hijinks is It Takes Tua to Tango. Did it? Tua? <laughs> um, the Dolphins swim around in the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft. I, I love this move by the Dolphins, to be honest. Um, I'm like, in my fantasy career, I love trading. Trades during the draft are always exciting in the NFL. And for one to happen a month you know, prior to the actual draft, was exciting. I mean, this is, you know, with what we do, it's, it's, it's exciting when, when news like this drops. So, you know, this was kind of predicated with the trade they made a few years back when they traded Laramie Tunsil to the Texans. This number three overall pick was part of that deal. Um, along with the second round pick this year, number 36 overall. So that kind of shows you sometimes when you make those big trades and you get, and you acquire those late picks, you know, at the time it might be like, Oh, you know, this guy's totally worth it. But then, here we are two years later, and the Dolphins are sitting pretty in, in, in my eyes. Um, good, good, on the, good on the San Francisco Niners to trade up for, for a quarterback. Who that actually is, that's, that's all over the place at this point. But as far as the Dolphins, you know, they, they used that third pick. They traded back with the Eagles to number 12, then they traded back up to number six. Um, I'm assuming probably to get either Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, whichever one might still be there. Um, I've been doing a lot of looking. I kind of nerd out on the trades. Like I don't go like, oh, hey, this is going to be the, this is going to be the Dolphins' fifth round pick. I don't go that deep. But like I like to look at the first round and just look at where teams are placed and look at, you know, what team needs are. Look at, you know, I look at a bunch of mock drafts that that experts are doing and just kind of summarize all the information, make tables. Anyway, um, so yeah, I think, and I mean, you know, when I first looked at it, it's like they are in the they are in a position where they could potentially trade that sixth pick again trade back to a QB needy team. But I just think if, if Chase or Pitts are there, you know, that there was a reason they traded back up to number six. So you never know. An offer could blow them away. They could trade back because there could easily be one of the top five quarterbacks still there at six uh, with the Bengals not likely taking a quarterback. Yeah. Um, but I think they're, you know, and one of the most important things for me, what this says is trading out of that number three spot originally means they are all good with Tua. They are, that's their quarterback. Um, whether you agree with that or not, I, I, I happen to agree with that. Um, I think there was a very short leash for some reason given to Tua in his rookie year that he spent the first chunk of hurt. Um, I think, you know, I think Tua is the man and I think this solidifies that. And they can get a huge weapon with this sixth overall pick. And they maintain that the, the, the third round compensatory pick this year that they got for that original trade, they keep that and they keep their 2023 first round that they got uh, from the Niners. So to me, it was pretty masterful by the Dolphins. So I'm curious, you're, you're saying Kyle, you do really think they go Kyle Pitts at six with Gasecki? I mean, they seem to really love Gasecki, but I, I suppose you can't pass up on a generational talent. I like Penny Sewell, man. I think I I think they need to really improve that offensive line if they're going to get three out there. I, I, I know it's just boring. It's, it, I'm just kidding. I, I believe in that O line, man. I I think, but Scott, I think you're dead on. I think this is a great move for the Dolphins overall. I think there's going to be a lot of fantasy impact. Um, if it is Kyle Pitts or Jameer Chase that go there, it, it, it's going to be nuts and a lot to talk about. Nate, you kind of discussed uh, in your headline hijinks for this. Uh, your take from the Niners point of view of things. Yep. So my headline is Mac and cheese time in the Bay area. Mac Jones to become Kyle Shanahan's newest quarterback. Okay, let's go. It is good for me. Take a Mac and cheese lover. Yes. On a date and just wanting to leave, just bring out some Mac and cheese. And I know a lot, there's been a lot of talk. Like, is it going to be Zach Wilson? Is it going to be, is Justin Fields maybe still going to be there? I don't think it matters. So if you look at his stats from last season, he played 13 games. He had a 77.4% completion percentage. He had 4,500 yards and 41 touchdowns in 13 games. 
that and I know Alabama is a powerhouse, but like Shanahan's got to be drooling at that talent because Shanahan's not looking for somebody that's going to move around the pocket. He doesn't need mobility. That's something Zach Wilson brings to the table. They don't need that. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a super mobile quarterback, and he thought he was going to work in that system. It makes they traded up to get a quarterback. I think that guy is Mac Jones. I love Mac. I think Mac Jones is the guy. I think they traded up specifically to get Mac Jones. I think Mm. he's pro ready. And I think Mm. that Mac Jones is a guy who could win offensive rookie of the year if he gets into that San Francisco system. I think he's talented enough. And I think that they have the weapons around them. Um, Shout out to uh, Herms. I think Jermichael Hasty is going to have a good year too. I think he's going to be a big part of that offense rolling. Hasty and Jeff Wilson. But then you've got Debo Samuel. You've got Brandon Ayuk. You've got George Kittle. That offense is no joke. And they were just riddled with injuries last year. And Garoppolo ain't it. And I think we can all agree Garoppolo ain't it. I don't think anybody thinks Garoppolo is the guy. It it just seems like a lot to move up and and grab someone that doesn't look like a generational player. Like, I I know what you're saying, Nate. And I I think Mac Jones has a lot of those skills that we saw in Joe Burrow uh, in 2019 and 2020 at LSU. So I do. I am. I am there with you. It's just when I see when I see Justin Fields running around, I I think that's a player I, I I could see you know giving up three first round picks to move up for and acquire him. Have you seen that guy with his shirt off? Like he looks like he doesn't look like a quarterback. Like Have you looks- seen Ben Roethlisberger with his shirt off? <laughs> I mean, fair is fair with his shirt off and a cigar. <laughs> so uh, Scott wh- wh- where are you where are you at on this because because I obviously see Justin Fields as someone with a little more upside kind of like a Kyler Murray type of player Nate's really set on on Mac Jones here what do you think San Francisco is going to do with this 103 and why do you think they traded up so much for him you know when the when the trade first happened you know my my initial thought was oh they they traded up for Justin Fields and there wasn't really a lot of doubt in my mind some doubt has crept in just because I've been paying attention to what everybody's been saying. And there's obviously, it's not, it's not necessarily not close that it's going to be fields. Um, I do still think it's going to be Justin Fields. Part of the reason I think that, and this is just speculation. Like we do this, we sit, we sit at our chairs and try and think of what's going on in the mind of a GM. And we're thinking of it from a fantasy perspective. However, I don't think like, I don't think they needed to trade all the way up to three if they wanted Mac Jones. Now they could have tried a trade to, you know, not trade up quite as high and it just didn't work out. So they went up to three, but I still think they're going to take Justin Fields. I mean, I've heard, I've heard the counter arguments like the NFL readiness is one, the similarities to Matt Ryan, who Kyle Shanahan Shanahan has, has history with that's two. Um, the whole thing about which pro days they decided to go to doesn't really matter to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they didn't go to Justin Fields and they did, you could you could interpret that in a lot of different ways. One, we've already seen what we need to need to see from Justin Fields. Two, when they trade it up to three, they aren't gonna they aren't gonna give away that boatload of of picks if they didn't already know who they were taking. Which I mean, I don't necessarily you know fully agree, but I, I don't think that necessarily tells us much. You know which pro day they went to. So anyway, long story short, I think they're going to go Justin Fields. That's my personal take. Um, I just think I think he's the best. You know, and this is all, of course, assuming that Zach Wilson goes number two to the New York Jets, which everybody and their dog says is going to happen. So I'm just going to go ahead and follow that with, for this conversation. For this conversation, um, but I think the best quarterback left after the first two is Justin Fields. That's that's my take. Okay. Well, I think Justin Fields is a better quarterback than Zach Wilson. I mean, I just, I, agree. I just do. I would be so. I I know everybody's talking about the Jets wanting Zach Wilson, and that would be a very New York Jets thing to do for that organization. But I think that if they're smart, I mean, really, they need to go Justin Fields here. Like, and I still, I think they will. I don't understand where all the Zach Wilson talk came from because I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I think well, I think we'll, it, we'll think of, think of Robert Sala, Nate. Like like he's a guy. He's that's he's true. With, with Kyle Shanahan, he Kyle Shanahan, as you said a couple minutes ago, doesn't want a mobile guy technically. So I mean, may, maybe Sala is kind of from that same you know from that same mold a little bit. That, that, that that's my only rationale. But like you said, Scott, it's kind of hard to pick GMs' heads when there's so much that we don't know. And from the Eagles' perspective, guys, there is some news here as well. Um, my headline coming from that Philadelphia point of view is, baby, don't hurts me no more. 
Philadelphia likely does not draft a quarterback in round one. Jalen Hurts is the, is the day one starter here for the Eagles in 2021. Gentlemen, I'll get your take on on where you think uh, Jalen Hurts falls in, in a redraft. We'll talk about that probably here a little bit later on uh, as we uh, unveil our mock draft that we recently did as well. But here, I, I think the big thing is for the Eagles to slide out of that six spot down to the 12. They obviously aren't targeting one of these big four or five quarterbacks uh, that are likely going to be off the board in the first 10 picks. So uh, it looks like Jalen Hurts is the guy. He you know came in average 22.2 fantasy points per game in his four starts that's QB 11 on points per game basis gentlemen and I think the big thing to take away from that is he played some real defenses during that span uh New Orleans Arizona obviously Dallas that's you know that's a crapshoot they they weren't a very good defense but Washington had a very good defensive front and it looks like uh looks like Jalen Hurts he's going to be the guy I'm hoping Nick Sirianni kind of rebuilds the offensive line a little bit and hopefully they traded back to grab one of those linemen that hopefully falls to 12. Nate, starting with you, where are you at on Jalen Hurts right now? You know, I'm pretty high on Hurts. I Obviously, they got rid of Wentz, who was going to be their guy. I And I, I agree with you. I think they needed – they moved back. They're going to grab one of those stud offensive linemen that's available because they've got to bolster that line. They have to. Yeah. They've got to protect Hurts. And that offense, I don't understand why they re-signed Jordan Howard – that was weird. Um, but I think Miles Sanders could have a big year with Hurts, and I think he's going to be a big help to Jalen Hurts. Um, I think we're looking at Jalen Rager about to have a breakout season with Hurts. I think that the Eagles could be a much better team this year with Jalen Hurts at the helm for the entirety of the season than they were last year. I'm always going to be – I'm always going to value uh, running, you know uh, – a quarterback that can run like that, especially nowadays, maybe a little bit higher than, than other people. Um, but I still don't in redraft. I, I don't think he's quite a QB one. That's, that's, mm. I think he's right at that threshold. Um, he's kind of right at the end there with, you know, Stafford and Baker and, and those, and those fellas. But then, you know, once you get into the top 10, I can't move him ahead of any of those guys. And again, this is based on a pretty limited sample size from him. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously this shows that that, that Hertz is their guy for 2021 at least. Um, there's not going to be a there's not going to be a quarterback available at, at 12. I don't think they're going to go offensive line at 12. Um, I think they're either going to go defense or wide receiver at 12. That's that's my personal. Oh, they could grab one of those stud quarterbacks. I would say you know whatever if Waddle or Devonta Smith is still there, if they're there at twelve, they'd go that way or one of those stud corners. That's that's just my guess. And I mean, I'm not I'm not pulling that out of some vast amount of research. That's also what a lot of the mocks also say. You know, I'm just kind of kind of summarizing it a little bit. You guys look at us here talking about offensive linemen. We've come <laughs> we so will, far. We will see what happens, gentlemen. Uh, you know, as Cooter Doodle in the mentions kind of said. Uh, in redraft, QBs don't go early. They're falling. We just did a recent mock draft that we're actually going to unveil a little bit of our strategies heading into that. But Q, I think Jalen Hurts, he was like a, an 11th or 12th round pick. So he's a guy, obviously, he will climb the ladder uh, a little bit. ADP is going to go up before August. But I still think you're going to get Jalen Hurts for a ninth or 10th round pick in redraft. And I'm really all about that, personally, especially with the rushing upside there. Um but enough talk about that trade. That was an awesome one. If you want to read more about it, check over with Scott's recent Mondays article. Um, it'll tell you all about it. What I do want to move on to, gentlemen, is I want to break down our recent mock draft that we did with a couple people in the industry. R- really thankful to have a lot of people, a lot of great minds to, to be in there. Um, I want to kick us off with unveiling my roster for the team. Um, it is on display for our viewers, and I'm going to go ahead and just read it. Uh, real quick for our listeners as well. Uh, we have Taysom Hill at quarterback, Aaron Jones as the RB1. RB2 is going to be Miles Sanders. Calvin Ridley, uh, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, Chase Claypool. TJ Hawkinson in the tight end slot. Flex is Travis Etienne. Uh, on the bench then is Kareem Hunt, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, and Mike Davis. And my headline for how I approach this draft is 
Let's go on the run. So I went, I went RB here uh, with four of my first six picks, and that feels about right to me this year. I, I'm really cool with getting like one elite wide receiver and then waiting somewhere uh, between that seventh and ninth round range for my wide receiver two. As you can see over there, uh, I got Chase Claypool. He's slotted in as my, my day one wide receiver two. Uh, got him in the seventh round. Curtis Samuel in the eighth round. Robbie Anderson in the ninth. And there was a lot of value that was falling. Um, so so I'm really comfortable waiting for uh, a wide receiver two. I sat on quarterback until the last pick I, I, I had to take one. So, um, and Taysom Hill, he, he's just a guy I have in there. He's probably not going to be the day one starter, but just in case he is, he's a top 12 guy for me. And if not, I'll drop him, pick someone up like Sam Darnold or Cam Newton, someone who has a little bit of upside. Um, but that that's my team, guys. Uh, do you have any thoughts on my strategy of going pretty RB heavy here early on? Well, you're obviously not a zero RB guy. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never, I'll never criticize going RB heavy. Um, no, me either. In this particular mock, I certainly did not. But um, yeah, ever since I started playing fantasy, like literally, if I make a pick any at any point in the draft and it's not a running back, there's a little tiny piece of my brain that's like, oh, you should have yeah. got a running back, you know. Like it's just like I'm. I just I get more nervous about not having enough running backs, and I don't know if it's legitimate. It's just how I've always felt. Like I don't always draft that way. Yeah. But I'm never going to criticize someone for taking too many running backs. You know, it's funny because I used to be the same way. Um, this last like year, I've really kind of I I didn't I don't believe in like full on zero RB type drafting. Um, I don't know, man. Like I get my first two guys my two starters and I kind of leave it at that. And I wait until the later rounds to maybe take a flyer on somebody. Um, I mean, people who paid off last year, think about James Robinson. We've had guys like that in the past who paid off late and you have guys who that people were reaching for early, like CEH that didn't pay off at all. So that kind of has changed my strategy though. You did get Aaron Jones and Miles Sanders. So, I mean, that's a pretty good haul at running back. Yeah, my rationale, at, I was at the 106, um, best on the board for my personal board was Aaron Jones, Travis Kelsey, um, ended up going with Aaron Jones. I think, you know, I, I know we talked a lot about that debate on the last show. I don't want to get back into that. I see Aaron Jones as a top five back this season uh, because Jamal Williams out of the picture. I think his PPR value goes up. Miles Sanders, Scott, I know you're huge on him this year. I think he's in for a bounce back season. And Calvin Ridley, he's that guy that, you know, just holding down the fort, as always, at the wide receiver one slot. Um, really happy to, if I can get him in any redrafts, you know, in the middle of the third round, which I did. I'll talk more about TJ Hawkinson later on in the show. But that was my approach to the draft. Um, you know, hopefully uh, it was it was valuable to a couple of listeners, a couple of, you know, valuable to our viewers as well. Um, Scott, uh, what was your approach to this draft and what is specifically your headline for your team? Well, my approach, and this is something I've been working on this year, kind of since since joining all of y'all, um, is to I went into it without a strat. You know, I did not go into it with a, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow this strategy. I just kind of from the 1.04, I just kind of let it play out. Um, and and Seth, I mean, you had said you know you went pretty running back heavy, and what that you know allowed me to do not not directly just mm -hmm. you. But my headline is I get a receiver, you get a receiver, everybody gets a receiver <laughs> because I went pretty receiver heavy. At 1.04, I took I took Kamara, which I was, you know, really being being in the in a redraft league, being in the top four picks, I'm going to get a running back that I'm going to be super happy with. So I was super happy to get him in a PPR. And then I think in the next four rounds it was, I went A.J. Brown, Allen Robinson, D.J. Moore, C.D. Lamb. And that makes me very excited that that group of that group of uh, wide receivers. The other thing I had to be a little careful of, I've been doing a lot of dynasty strategy and mock and yeah. mocks and startups and super flex. And so I really had to I really had to to walk it back because like when the graph first started, I was like, wait, nobody's taking quarterbacks. And I was like, oh, that's right. This is one QB. Um, so I went pretty wide receiver heavy. Um, what that led to is, as you can see, oh, wait, I want to see who you put in my flex. Good. You didn't put my running back three in my flex because that's embarrassing. Um, <laughs> no, with my running back two, I ended up going with Javonta Williams. You know, it's a little bit risky. It's a rookie, but he's the second best rookie. Well, second or third best rookie running back, in my opinion. So 
where I've, I think where I'm disciplined there a little bit is when I had a little less experience playing and a little less experience doing research and all this, you know, listening to a lot of people who know a lot about fantasy football, that rookie-itis that like, Ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, way overdraft this rookie. Cause it's a rookie and he could be the next Saquon and win my league. And it's like, I've shied away from that a little bit. So I think I got Devonta in a good place. Um, I think he was the best running back on the board at that time. But yeah, those four wide receivers, like those are four of my favorite, favorite wide receivers, um, you know, to have, you know, to be able to get my boy AJ Brown in second round. And I mean, no, I know this isn't dynasty, so it's not quite as much of a coup, but like, I was very excited that he was still sitting there. Um, but I will follow my sword. I did take James Conner as my third running back. And I mean, we've all done this, right? We've all clicked draft. And then immediately you're like, please come back. Please, <laughs> please be 10 seconds ago. I was like, why did I pick James Conner? What, what went through my head? Like, I mean, I guess he hasn't been signed anywhere else yet. He could still come back and be have some some sort of a value and i mean I, I got him in the ninth round so it's not like i really made a you know a fool out of myself but that makes me a little a, a little um nervous having him as my rb3 so mm-hmm. but like i said in my show notes i ended up getting chuba hubbard in the 13th so that trophy's mine and, and scott i really do like your roster here i think you got a great value on justin herbert i'm someone in in one qb redrafts I'm probably waiting till the, you know, close to the last pick for a QB, but Justin Herbert in the seventh round, that feels good to me. That feels like a really nice value. I like that a lot. Um, Allen Robinson, you know, he's kind of right in that mix. He was last season, but I still like that pick a lot as well. But my, a little bit more of my rationale and redraft uh, to to go RB heavier at the beginning of the draft is just because I feel, you know, draft RB heavy and then trade for wide receivers. Because you could grab, you know, like like Javonta Williams, if he hits, you could trade him after a couple weeks and get, you know, a a wide receiver one, a Michael Thomas, uh, Chris Godwin, someone that maybe win a couple rounds ahead of him. So I definitely like Javonta there. But overall, Scott, I think you took some really nice value here. Uh, You know, staying water and staying in between throughout your draft really allowed you to go for best available rather than need, which I think is a hard thing to do sometimes. So well done, my friend. Yeah, it's not easy. I'm I'm impressed with the CD Lamb at the six nine. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's especially true. with with well Dak coming back. I don't think people are yep. thinking about that when you're with CD Lamb and Michael Gallup as well. Getting him in the tenth round, like those guys. Michael Gallup was primed for a breakout, primed to have a huge season. He was right there, ready to go. Same thing with CD, and then Dak got hurt. I don't know if Michael Gallup was poised for a breakout, but CeeDee Lamb was for sure. He was a wide receiver one during Dak's during Dak's tenure in 2020. But, I mean, Michael Gallup, he did finish as a wide receiver three, and he probably would have been even higher. So, yep. but, I, yeah. I mean, overall, breakout relative, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, Nate, why don't we go ahead and, and pull up your team, see how you did in this redraft. The mock is still going, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah mock, no, mock is still going. Ten plus days in, we're still going. It's uh, the longest not super slow draft ever. <laughs> Nate, what what was your uh, what was your headline and your strategy heading into this mock? So a youth movement is kind of how I pinned it. Um, I went really young. I went I went with more rookies than I was expecting, and I'm not done because the draft ain't over. Um, and with some second year guys too, uh, I I grabbed Saquon with the one one. And I know that there's questions coming off this ACL tear, but I'm telling you, he's going to Adrian Peterson this season. Post ACL tear, dude's going to run for 2,000 yards. Like I can, I can just like I can feel it in my soul that he's going to be enormous in that offense coming back. They need him so bad. Um, retold offense, retold offensive line, and Joe Judge is legit. They've yeah. obviously added a little bit of of down the field weapons as well, and Kenny Galladay, which should open up some running lanes. So. Well, and I know I know people hate on Daniel Jones, but like I think he's actually has the potential to be a really good quarterback in the NFL. And I think part of that is the use of Saquon, and Judge is gonna just probably run the hell out of him. So I mean you're looking at a ton of yards, plus he's a great pass catching back. So I mean that that was a no-brainer for me at the one-one. Um being able to get Russell Wilson in the fifth round, I know it was a little early for a quarterback, but I saw it. I thought, you know, if he's not in Seattle, I like him. If he is in Seattle, 
I like him. It's kind of a win-win situation with Russell Wilson. I don't care where he is. He's going to be good no matter what. It's like when Joe Montana went to the uh, Chiefs. He's a great quarterback. He had three great seasons in Kansas City. And I just tried to stay young. Um, I think this wide receiver class is going to be incredible and is going to impress endlessly, especially Jamar Chase. I'm really excited about Jamar Chase and Rashad Bateman. Nate, uh, initial thoughts back from me to towards your team is I, I really liked the first three picks. I, I'm i with you. I think Saquon can have a bounce back season. I don't know if I'm taking him over McCaffrey at the 101, but I still like the pick no, no matter what. Um, Antonio Gibson, Darren Waller, that's a that's a killer. If anyone's out there and in their redrafts around that 2-3 turn, and if you can come out with Darren Waller and a guy like Antonio Gibson who's going to be a solid RB2, uh, low-end RB1, I, I think that's great value there. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it is. R- really, I guess w- where I kind of got lost a little bit was the Jameer Chase pick. I Again, I think he's going to be great, and I have high expectations for him as well. But what we saw from like Justin Jefferson last season isn't normally the mold. Like I just can't feel comfortable. Like I took someone in my draft like Kareem Hunt or Curtis Samuel for the factor that I could um, not stat- start Travis Etienne in week one just right. because of, those rookies normally take a little bit of time, especially with wide receivers. So, I mean, chances are he might end up in the Lions, so he could be the number one from day one and, and could have big fantasy numbers. I just like – Scott, are you comfortable with having a rookie as your wide receiver one in redraft, or does that scare you a little bit as well? It would scare me, you know, put it this way. It scares me. Like, I think I think Jamar Chase is the wide receiver one in this class, um, and I think Najee Harris is the running back one. I'd be more comfortable with Najee Harris, you know, having him there as opposed to having the, the, the number one wide receiver. Um, and that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean this 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 really is all you know. We we're doing this pre NFL draft, so it's it's yeah, you know, super speculative. Right. It's a it's a little early for me, but like like I said a few minutes ago, I mean sometimes I will I will reach for those rookies um, if I have that if I have that feeling about them. So only time will tell. Um, I don't have it in front of me to see who else was available, you know, in that time frame. Um, to see, you know, like if there's a receiver, I would have, I would have taken over him at that point. Um, so I'm not going to look that up. So a little, little early for me, but I can't, I can't knock it. I mean, I agree with Seth. I mean, Saquon, Antonio, Darren Waller, like that's, that is a, that's a, that's a great um, one, two, three, first three picks. Like that's, I would, like if I was doing a redraft and that's who I ended up with, like that combination of players, I'd be super yeah. happy with that. Well, and something I think I learned too is that I've done way too many startup drafts since the end of the season <laughs> for Dynasty, and it's hard to get your brain out of that. It mentality. really, really is. It's yeah. really hard when you're st- like, is I'm still, I've still got two Dynasty startup drafts rolling right now. All right. Well, Nate, thank you for allowing us to dissect your roster there a little bit. It's always- <laughs> you, mean, you mean roast me, <laughs> <laughs> Nate? You are done over the. Open <laughs> Uh, I appreciate both your guys' perspective here. It, it's good to talk about redraft strategy, even if it is early in the season. Um, moving forward here, I would like to jump into our next segment, Sure Things Sleepers of the Week. It's the Sure Things Sleepers of the Week. This week, we're going to be talking about draft dodgers. These are sleepers that we're excited about um, who have a lot to gain and a lot to lose um, from the upcoming NFL draft. Nate, since we, uh, since, we, since we took it so hard on you last time, how about you uh, throw out your uh, sleeper of the week, uh, your draft dodger, someone who has a lot to lose here in the draft? So I kind of went, I went with Christian Kirk, um, and here's why. So it sound on paper, it looks like he should be blowing up. Larry Fitzgerald is gone. Um, 72 vacated targets on the table. He was already in the mix in that offense. He was already productive. But people weren't really necessarily super high on him. Um, I was. I love him. I think he's a great receiver. I love him as long as they don't draft a wide receiver. Uh, I've seen a couple of NFL mocks that have the cards taking either Kadarius Tony or Rashad Bateman with their 49th pick, the 49th pick in the second round. 
that makes me nervous for Christian Kirk. Because if they do that, most likely with the talent they're bringing in with that second pick, that second round pick, you're probably looking at him being all of a sudden going from wide receiver two behind Nuke to wide receiver three in that offense. And he's not going to get many of those 72 vacated targets. That's going to go to Tony or it's going to go to um, Bateman. So I love him conditionally. Depends on what happens in the draft. I, I think it's inevitable that the Cardinals will have to get a receiver at some point. Um, For sure. obviously, obviously, they did bring in the veteran A.J. Green as well. Um, That's right, yeah. So I, I was already kind of yeah, out but... on Kirk when I saw A.J. Green. I, I know a lot of people don't see see him threatened, and I, I totally understand that. But, yeah, I think Christian Kirk, he's a guy, if, if, if a receiver is drafted, Christian Kirk has no redraft value. And mm-hmm. – probably very little dynasty value at that point. I'm probably waving the flag if I own him. Yeah. AJ green isn't even a factor to me. Like uh, I can't believe he's still in the league. I can't believe he signed anywhere, honestly. And it's not that he doesn't have talent. He does, but his ankles and his knees are bad. And as a wide receiver in the NFL, that's going to, that's going to continue to hamper you. So I don't think of him as even like a factor in that offense. Scott, uh, w- would you like to throw out your draft dodger, or would you like me to? I'll go. Get it um, yeah, so pre- I'll preface this. This isn't somebody that I think is going to be a running back one. This is a player that's had some debate and some polarization lately on Twitter. But my sure thing sleeper draft dodger is Chase Edmonds. Um, and that's based on the context of this segment where – you know, if certain things happen in the draft, that all goes away. But if certain things don't happen in the draft, then I think he's an excellent sleeper for 2021. So kind of the knock on Chase Edmonds, and, and I mean, the knocks on Chase Edmonds are valid. You know, he has really never been the primary ball carrier in his time. He's had two games where he was actually the primary back. One in 2019 against the Giants, where he did amass 126 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and then this past year, uh, he played one game as the primary back against the Dolphins, 25 carries, 70 yards, zero touchdowns, three catches, 18 yards. So part of it is, you know, could he, could he handle it? And I think for that question by itself, I think the jury is out. We don't know. He's had two games to do it, but that leads right into one of the knocks. Well, why is it that there's only been two games? Well, probably because he's a better change of pace back than a primary back. Um, you know, if he were going to take over that role, he would have by now. So there's that logic as well. Um, but right now he's at the top of the depth chart. Um, Eno Benjamin, I'm an Eno Benjamin fan. I'm a Pac-12 guy, so I'm an Eno Benjamin fan. But he's a round seven running back. He didn't play a snap last year. He's a dynasty stash. He's not a, oh, he might be the lead back for the Cardinals in 2021. I don't, I mean, I don't see that happening. So what it all comes down to is do they take a running back in the draft? I mean, there's still, I guess, a chance they bring in a free agent, but right now it's looking more like the draft. And personally, I think they do. I don't think they're going to roll into the season with Chase Edmonds. But if they don't, I think he is. And I mean, it's not like if he doesn't, you know, he's just going to be this insane value because other people will realize that he is the running back in Arizona. But I think just based on his lack of track record in that role, he could be a very good value if they don't draft, I would say they, you know, my, my guess would be they would use their second or third round pick on, mm-hmm. on a running back. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like a Trey Sermon or, you know, Hill. yeah, or something like that. Again, I mean, it's not just a complete death nail for Chase Edmonds, but he has shown he is very good at that change of pace role. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been a borderline low end RB two in PPR just playing that role. So he, he, he still has that value. So if they don't draft a running back, you know, could he be, you know, a league winner, as they say, I don't know. I have, I, there's two games, there's two games to go by with him having more than like 10 carries, but I think it's just something to keep an eye on. Um, if they, if they don't draft a running back with a, with a, you know, mid to high draft capital, then he could, he could have a, he could have a larger share of the work next year. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I I think Chase Edmonds, he will be a value in redrafts given they don't go out and get one of these big, you know, three or four running backs. I I agree with you there, Scott. Great pick. And I think, I mean, I think regardless of what happens, he still is a value in redraft PPR Mm -hmm. um, as somebody that you can throw in your flex potentially. Um, 
you know, people shy away when it's just not that bell cow, but it's like, there really aren't many of those left nowadays. So mm-hmm. if you can get Chase, you know, let's say they draft a running back and he just stays in his role. If you're in your redraft, Chase Edmund, Edmonds is sitting there late. He's not a bad pickup in PPR. Great. Great. Thank you, Scott. Um, and for my draft dodger, my sure thing sleeper of the week, I'm going to go with TJ Hawkinson. Uh, Hawk, he's a guy last year, he had 101 receptions or 101 targets, excuse me, uh, held an 18.8% target share during that time as well. So definitely on the higher end for tight ends, but we didn't see that leap that that's going to put him in that upper echelon tier. We, we could see that here in 2021 though. Um, my big thing is right now you look at these mocks, you're seeing a, a lot of the times the lions are projected to, to grab Jameer chase. I could see that happening for sure. But I think if the Lions, they really want to be true to this rebuild, probably going out and grabbing a star wide receiver may not be the smartest thing to do. Um, I got, I got, you know, hacked on a little bit earlier for suggesting they, that a team grabs a lineman in the top 10, but I'm going to do it again. I, I think that Detroit should retool their offensive line. Pini Sewell, he's a guy who's going to be there. Um, there's a couple other linemen who are very, very good and could be in that top 10 as well. Um, but if TJ Hawkinson is the guy and there is no Jameer Chase on this team right now, there are 268 vacated targets. Yes, I said that correctly. 268 vacated targets on the Lions this season. Kenny Galladay is gone. Marvin Jones, Marvin Hall, Danny Amendola, Jesse James. That all equals 268. I'm sure there's some other players who aren't back as well. So it's probably even more. That's 49.9% of the targets here in Detroit are up for grabs. I think TJ Hawkinson, he's a guy you can go out, grab him in the fifth or sixth round, and it really might make a difference in your drafts. And he could be like a, a Darren Waller of this year or, you know, uh, a George Kittle of a couple of years ago and just really see that that third year leap. So I'm excited for TJ Hawkinson. I think he has a lot to lose, though, because obviously if they do take Jameer Chase in the in the first round, he obviously goes back to just being kind of one of those middle of the road tight end ones. Yeah, I'm for for all those same reasons. I think I think Hawkinson could have a big year. I mean, DeAndre Swift also could catch a hundred balls, depending on what they do. But, yeah, um, and I I promise I wasn't knocking O lineman in the first round. I was specifically I wanted Miami to take Jamar Chase, but no, I mean I think Bengals and Panthers likely go offensive line at this point. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, Hawkinson. Like I mean, I still I'll never forget it uh, that when he was a rookie. I, I picked him up late, you know, and then I um, I think at, between between the draft and week one, I dropped him for some no name, whatever. And then he had that first game in his rookie year where he had like 120 yards or two touchdowns. And you know, those moments when you, you had the guy, and he goes off after you drop him. Like, yeah, so I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be putting up those types of numbers, but um, I mean, Goff's got to throw it somewhere. He's got to throw it somewhere. Does even, he if they, even if they do bring in you know, um, a top level rookie wide receiver that it's still depleted. So, you know, I think he's a, I think he's a, he's a, he's a good value. Like you said, you know, the fifth, fifth or sixth tight end off the board, if you can get him there. I'm willing to invest up to fourth round pick in TJ Hawkinson, maybe even a late third. If, if there is no rookie wide receiver, because right now it's Brashard Perryman, it's Tyrell Williams and it's Quentin Cephas. So, the ball has to go somewhere, as Scott said. So why not TJ Hawkinson? Um, he's my draft dodger. Hopefully he evades it, but we'll see what happens here come the end of April. And gentlemen, uh, time's running low in the show, but we have room for one final segment, and that's weekly advice. Weekly. Weekly. Today, I want to talk about a topic I've been seeing discussed a lot um, out on the interwebs the last couple of weeks, and that's burnout and how to avoid burnout during the offseason. Um, gentlemen, how do you take this time during the fantasy football season? Um, it's very early. We haven't seen the draft yet. So like the talk that we everything we've said so far on the show, we kind of had to preface that it could all change. So a lot of people, they kind of step away at this time. They kind of get burned out. Um 
what is your strategy as far as avoiding the burnout at this time of year? And what can you offer our listeners and viewers for that? All right. Well, um, I'm still figuring that out, to be honest. This is my first off season, you know, fully, you know, engulfed in fantasy football, you know, I mean, years, years past, you know, February and March, I'm just kind of sitting around doing nothing, honestly, sports wise. I'm not a huge NBA guy. I'm not a huge NHL guy yet. Um, so, so I'm kind of having to figure that out as I go. Um, I will tell you, you know, when the, when the season ended, I was having so much fun on Twitter. I was like, Oh, it's going to get so boring. That is not true. <laughs> not it, even it did not get boring at all. There's some people that kind of, you know, probably like, you know, aren't as active because it's the off season, but I mean, mm-hmm. with dynasty and, you know, trolls and fake accounts and all this kind of stuff, it's, <laughs> it's, it's super exciting. Um, so what I, you know, I guess what I've done is there's been just days here and there where, and this is more of just in general with screens, not necessarily just fantasy football, where I just try and not be focused on the other, whether it's my phone or my laptop, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go all day. Like, Oh, I'm not never going to look at my phone today, but just be conscious of taking a break from that. Because for me, I don't think it's like, oh, I, I've been doing so much fantasy research that I'm burning out. It's more just like the just the death by thousand cuts of being in front of a screen all day and not getting enough fresh air um, and not getting enough exercise or forgetting to eat lunch, that kind of stuff. So I'm just trying to be conscious of it. Um, I don't have some magic some magic answer. Um, I mean, I think I've already kind of experienced there were, there's been a couple of days in the last three weeks where, you know, I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't want to look at football news and that's not how I normally feel. Right. So that's, you know, probably some of the early signs of that type of thing, but you know, it's all about balance with anything you do. So I would just say if somebody's out there and cause I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult because you can be like really into it and you might approach a burnout before you even realize it, you know? Um, yeah. You know, I went through something similar when I got my new job that I've been at for a few years. First few months, I was loving it because it was different. It was new. And I was just gung-ho. And then, like, you know, after a little while, it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm about to hit a wall. I need to, you know, I need to, I need to check myself a little bit. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's just – it's that type of thing. It's just self-awareness, you know, giving, you know, taking, taking a break, doing other things. So. Thank you, Scott. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I am enjoying this so much. I can't imagine getting burned out. Um, but what I just try to remember is with anything in life, if it's not fun, what are you even doing? And I'm having fun with it. And I've made so many like, like incredible friends in this space that I don't, I don't know. Like I just, I'm enjoying it so much. And if you're not, I guess that would be my advice. If you're not enjoying it, you probably should rethink what you're doing. And if you feel like you need that break and it's becoming too much, don't be afraid to take it. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, mock drafts on sleeper. They're all going to be there tomorrow or next week. If you need the break or next month, if you need the break. I've seen plenty of people in this industry that are like, I pieced out for the entirety of February because I, my brain simply could not handle it. And also I have this adorable child who keeps me on my toes. So I, (laughs) and he keeps me light and keeps me laughing and keeps me happy. And I remember that ultimately I'm doing all this for him. My goal is to be a happy, mentally healthy person doing something that I love for a living so that he doesn't have to be around someone who is insufferable and hates what they do every day. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I'm having fun with this. My ultimate goal is for this to be what I do for a living for the rest of my life. And that's fun because this is sports. We're mm-hmm. working in, we're, we're in the sports media space. Like how cool is that? To round this discussion out as far as, as avoiding burnout. And I guess I can speak a little more to it as this is my, this will be going into my fourth season within this space. Um, my, my biggest advice is Nate, I think you hit it, hit it really well at, to the first thing as, you know, it's all going to be there tomorrow, whether it's the mocks, whether it's the live streams, you know, you don't have, you don't have to listen to us. Just give us a retweet. Give us the like, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll be there. We'll be there for the rest of the off season. Take the time that you need. 
Um, live in the moment. Continue to be present every day, no matter what you're doing. We do love what we do, so, so we don't fortunately experience this right now. But my one thing is that if you do, you know, are experiencing this a little bit, my one or my one suggestion would be change up what you're doing a little bit. Um, you know, I'm a big redraft guy. That that's really my niche in this field. Is I'm I'm really serious into redraft. But this is the time of year when I'm scouting rookies. I'm watching a lot of film. I'm watching a lot of film breakdown. I'm reading a lot of articles and columns on these rookies and trying to get really in that mindset. I'm, I'm one of those guys, and we could talk about it a little bit more another day, but I'm one of those guys who I really don't do any rookie rankings or anything until after the draft. Landing spot means a lot to me. Cream of the crop does rise to the top, but like Justin Jefferson, he was a guy last year that I was super in on. Uh, really liked his college tape, but I more liked the landing spot, if anything. So yeah. just you know, tr- try something new. If you're a dynasty guy, why don't you try out a little bit of redraft research? Um, if you've never done IDP or Devi or campus to gridiron, anything like that, just try it out. Best ball leagues. There's a lot of different options for you in this space. And if all else fails, take a couple weeks breaks, go on vacation with your family, your wife, your son, uh, your, your daughter, whatever it may be. And, just enjoy the present. Um, I'm going to continue to do that myself here. Nate, Scott, I hope you guys continue to do that as well. And can, I add, can I add two two last things? Yeah, quick? yeah go um, ahead. You brought up vacation. I just I'm just letting everyone know because I'm typically on Twitter all day, every day, pretty much. Um, I am going on vacation next week with my family. Seth just mentioned it, um, and we're driving. We're actually driving from Seattle down to the redwoods in California. And we're going to hug the Oregon coast on the way down and do a bunch of camping. So very excited about it, but I'll be pretty spotty. Um, so I'm going to be checking in with y'all when I can. Um, one, one other little tiny tip as far as getting overwhelmed. I personally like reading articles from, you know, all the people I know and then other articles mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that, in, you know, pique my interest. Um, take advantage of that bookmark function on, on Twitter. This isn't rocket science. I know I'm new to Twitter pretty, you know, relatively. But I bookmark so many things, and I just read them later, and then I'm not overwhelmed by a million things to read. Um, and a lot of times, the people that write them, if you retweet them or like them later, it's helpful. Um, so anyway, that last little tip. But so yeah, I will be a little bit off the grid for about a week. Um, and yeah, Scott, did you clear this with HR though? Who? <laughs> HR? Um, I think so. Who is that? <laughs> I, is that, think it's, is that I think Seth it's Seth. Too? I think it's Seth. No, that, no, that, <laughs> that, that falls under our video editor, Sean and Michael Short. That's going to be their job. So uh, <laughs> we'll get them involved with it. Nate, any final thoughts here as we round out the show? Just keep having fun. Keep it real. Keep on trucking. Absolutely. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you to our audience tonight. Um, and to build on Nate's final thought there, keep it in between until next time, y'all. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. The in-between fantasy football podcast. So one thing that you know really sets us apart here is, is we're not afraid to talk about other things that maybe aren't super fantasy related. Do what you can to become a better person. Become a better human.